0: We're we the people.
1: And we're recording from the occupied territory of the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi people. Or what you probably know to be Chicago. And the Chumash,
2: Keech, and Tataviam people.
0: Or Los Angeles.
2: Guess what? We're
3: all on stolen land. Take a second to learn whose land you occupy.
1: And take meaningful, direct action to decolonize and restore these lands to their rightful stewards. Action
2: items and resources can be found in the link tree on our Instagram, at wethepeoplepresent.
0: We are your favorite friends you love to talk to.
3: People. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking nailed it. I'm Dana.
2: I'm Asia. (laughs) I'm Lionel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Tina. We're a train wreck. But we are very excited because we have our first ever guest to join us on a conversation about... Shame, dehumanization, cancel culture, and probably COVID. Um, And this wonderful (laughs) guest that we have today is Lane Anthony Flores. He is an actor, playwright, and classicist, welcome.
4: Hi, hello. Pew, pew, I pew, turned pew. into a
2: game show host. <laughs> I don't
4: know. I turned into a small, creepy, possessed doll. Just, hello, everyone.
0: Give our regards <laughs> to Broadway. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh my god. You know, Good. yeah, I really like y'all's spirit today. I love where y'all are starting at. Keep
3: it. Yeah. It's so. It's already going to go down. <laughs> all downhill from here. The most yeah. excitement I've felt in I don't know months. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, you <laughs> like Kamala. Oh,
3: no, that's right. That's right. That's true.
0: And Michelle Obama's exciting. outfit.
3: Bird brunch. bird the, the, the out, the, the Bird fits. brooch. Bird in <laughs> mittens and the mittens. Yeah, absolutely. Wayne, how's it
4: going? Good. You know, as good as it can right now for anyone in America. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Generally, (laughs) you know, it's no, it's good. It's uh, Things are good. How are you? How's everyone? Hello.
0: We're really excited (laughs) to have you on today, Lane. Like seriously, uh, not just because you're our first guest, but just because it's being a podcast on identities. I think it's really important that we continue to navigate conversations with people of multiple backgrounds. And I just think you are just so wise. I personally know Lane. I think he is amazing. He is so smart, but he's as just well just a well-rounded human being so for me i am so excited to get your insight on different topics and different things so thank you for being with us today
4: yeah i love you i'm happy to be here happy to talk about things Yeah,
3: but before we Um, get all
2: serious
3: yeah before (laughs) we dive into a depressing
2: conversation
3: (laughs) 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 we're gonna go around um last week we talked about um just weird lyrics i don't know why i don't know how it stemmed um but this week we thought we'd do a round robin where we would kind of say the weirdest lyrics that we could possibly think of from the different decades. So from the 90s, the 2000s, and then also musical lyrics. So Important. Um, important, you know? The real work. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so should we go with the 90s first? Does somebody have a, a lyric from the 90s that they want to sing that we can
2: guess what it is?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90s.
0: All right, nine, boom, boom, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, little in the middle, but she got much back, ba- dan ba- dan ba- little in the middle, but she got m-
3: dan <laughs> dan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone Finish
0: this, ready, my anaconda. Don't want, don't,
3: don't want
0: not. Not, 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 <laughs> unless
1: you got not, buns, hun.
0: You can take hey. that healthy butt, <laughs> baby,
1: we got back.
0: Right. Okay, fun Everyone's
1: story good. about that song. So, if anyone uh, anyone listening, you all already know this, but anyone else, like if you've talked to me for more than 2 seconds, you know that I love a butt. I just love a butt. Same. Um and that song I recently discovered was number 1 on the charts, The Day I Was Born. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's, Nothing could possibly be
4: like, more appropriate. I love it. Yes. Wait.
1: Amazing. I love it.
4: It sunk into you from birth you had that. It
1: truly has defined my entire existence. (laughs) You, like, came out of the womb and you, like, listened to it. And (laughs) and I also came out, I I emerged (laughs) from the womb, but first. My dad was scared it was my face for a second. I mean, it's just kismet.
0: That's how she's I enter all bad. of my dates now. Just butt first, <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm sorry, my parents face. are listening to this and did not want that out there. But I've told a lot of people, so sorry. <laughs> oh my oh, God, is your face okay? <laughs> That's amazing.
4: Wait, is it? Is that her face?
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was scared for a second, but then he saw my real face and was like, "No, she's cute. no,
2: she's amazing. She's amazing, my child, she's gorgeous, my child."
1: <laughs> 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 um, that was a good one to start with. That is thanks.
2: Okay, I'm gonna try one. 97. This was a hit at our elementary school dances. Ooh, I'll be your dream. Did I backstreet
0: boys?
4: Nope. Is it? (sighs) Do it again, do it again, do it again. I'll be your dream,
1: your dream, I'll be your something, something
4: fantasy. I'll be, yeah. I'll I'll hope be your hope, I'll be your, people, be your love, I'll be your love, I'll be your I'll be your oh, everything oh, really that
0: you need. That's right, yeah.
2: Deeply. Me oh, and Mark wow. Hargrove, song wow. of the dance, even though I don't think he knew that.
0: What did you just say? <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what? They said,
2: me and Mark Hargrove's song at the dance, but I don't know that he knew that. I had picked mm. it in my Now he does. Yeah. Mark. Mark,
4: if you're <laughs> Mark, listening. If you're listening. Now you know. Such fond memories.
2: <laughs> that
0: amazing. was our song.
3: He, like, listens but, to it tonight. But like, we were
2: like, what? what was the
0: song? <laughs>
2: Fourth grade. <laughs> 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 Truly, Madly, Deeply.
0: That's the name of it? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh- never heard of it. That's
2: why.
0: Cool. send <laughs> yeah, it to you. It was I'm by the right. Savage, Savage
2: Garden. Garden. The band. Savage yes.
0: Garden. That was
4: it. it. I was like, what is the band?
2: Garden. Uh, that's a Savage thing. Garden. They all sang the one about yeah.
4: wanting to bathe in the ocean with someone, right? Because I remember yes. that being a big that's hot, the same one. hot button issue in my household. Yeah.
0: I want to bathe with you in
2: the sea.
0: Oh, I know that one. I want
1: to live like for That's exactly <laughs> what it sounded like. I wish you all could have seen Asia's face <laughs> when she's sang that.
3: Her <laughs> eyes were closed. She's really feeling it. I haven't slept it. much, so. <laughs> okay. Uh, mm. Any other '90s before he moves on? Moves on to I, the. I 2000s? do. I
4: have '90s. I do, oh, yes. I don't know the year, yes. so I can't. I can't be as quite as specific. <clears throat> well, they don't. <clears throat> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and then a bumped up took that.
3: Oh! 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 oh. Wait. No! 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 Right.
0: Can you do I'm it one up. more time? And then I bumped up took the...
2: Oh, God. It's on the tip up. of my tongue. I'm blanking. Bum-
0: do bop, 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 do bop. <laughs> no. no,
4: it's not bop, but God, I wish it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it shit. is in my brain yeah. and I
1: like, can't reach it. I can it's hear it. Me do you want
4: me to tell you or no? Do you want to keep yes. going?
1: Yeah, it's how it yeah it's, tell it. Uh,
4: it's a uh, uh, third eye blind, semi turned kind of light. Oh, fuck. Yeah, then yeah. I bumped up. Uh, took the hit that I was given, yeah. then I bumped yeah. again, then I bumped, bumped again. again. I said, How do I get back there to the place where I fell asleep inside you? How do I hey, get now. myself You're back an to place? Get the place? <laughs> yeah. Let's mash it all. Let's up. mash it all. Up. <laughs>
0: I have that oh, mashup. Gosh. I literally have those two songs mashed up on my
3: computer. Yeah, they go Do you remember bigger.
4: how hot mashups were, like what 10, yeah. 15 years ago? When Hell it was, like, yeah! You burned the mashups, and like you had a whole mashup CDs. Remember burning yeah. CDs? Yeah, remember CDs? Oh, yeah, remember. that part. <laughs> mashup
2: <laughs> babies, burning you CDs. Listening? CDs. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what a CD, compact disc, is?
1: Back <laughs> in my day. Yeah.
3: To put the songs in my computer.
2: Yeah. You couldn't run with a Discman because it would scratch the disc.
0: Where's my Walkman? Uh,
3: okay. Oh, uh, okay. Wow. Um, I think I'm going to move on to the 2000s if that if that's yeah. okay.
2: let's go. Please. Hell yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: Ready? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, (laughs) Friday, Saturday,
1: Sunday. I got a feeling. Was in
0: high school when oh, that came out oh that tonight's gonna around. be yes. a good, good night. night yes truly the yes. moment the
1: black-eyed peas became a nightmare the black-eyed proportions
4: <laughs> i had a mashup in, of this song too <laughs> I was, in my
2: mind and i didn't say it because it wasn't the right decade but the Rebecca Black song. Oh, I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. All the days of the week in that song, also. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hell yeah.
3: But I remember listening to that song and going, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> ooh. Why this? <laughs> no. What happened to y'all? Yep. Yep. All right, anybody else?
1: I think I did this wrong because I wasn't th- looking for the weirdest lyrics. I was just like think trying to think of any song I could think of. <laughs> oh, that's from okay. No wrong. Decade. <laughs> There's no yeah. wrong. So. Um, um my my offering for the the arts the two thousands is it's getting late.
0: I'm making my way over yeah! to the favorite place my i gotta get myself who shake this I'm pain away,
3: away. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: What's the name no of that? L-
3: no Anywhere. L- Start
0: no like, no. Started. Do you know what just started? I just came in a party. Now I'm rocking on the dance floor. Looking naughty. Your
3: hands up on my, my waist.
0: I feel your biggest
2: face.
0: Bulletproof? <laughs> I'm That's Bulletproof.
4: Please do
1: music by Rihanna.
4: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Bulletproof is La Rue.
1: La Rue. La Rue. Which is
0: not to be confused with La But I La
1: every word, word to that Just song. La Rue. Oui, oui. Um,
0: well, that was great.
2: Anybody else? Uh, chill out. Watch it.
0: We're yeah. yelling yeah. for. Lay back. It's
4: all been done, 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 before. Done, done before. And
0: uh, you, I you had a, uh, the...
4: another mashup. of. I had a lot of mashups that morning <laughs> about myself. <laughs> <laughs> this one, I, this matched up with Coldplay's uh, uh, The Scientist. you remember that song? Oh, yeah.
1: Yes!
3: Yeah. Oh, my God! Mm-hmm. to Meet you. No, yeah. is that it? Yeah. Tell you, you I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> the other one I was thinking of was, <laughs> hi, you know I'm on tonight. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Shakira! <laughs> Shakira
1: is a. Um, oh.
3: If Tina and I had a baby, she's half. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That one song, Asi, that's in Arabic and Spanish, Mm. that's my Andana's love child of a
4: song.
2: (laughs) Just love child.
3: Just love child. Our love child song.
2: Yeah. Um, All right, should we move to musicals? Does anyone have one they want to throw out? Lionel smiling. Give it. Close your eyes. I forgot the word.
0: Um, December 24th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. time. (laughs) From here on in, I. we were it. in it can we
4: do ones we were in <laughs> well it's just it was just the
0: 25th it was just the 25th annual re- reunion or whatever the term oh, is 25th anniversary I didn't, anniversary. I was I didn't either Benny until I saw you, the
1: but I didn't
0: <laughs> played that part too many times um Rent,
2: <laughs> we're not gonna which rant, I've had rant. multiple conversations with uh friends about this show and being like just Pay your rent. Just pay. Yeah,
3: that's
0: what <laughs> I, I don't understand. That's why, why Benny I hate
4: was? It. I've recently gone back and forth on this. Weird. I was talking about it the other day because like I was I had got to a point in my 20s where I was like "These freaking kids just pay your rent and now that I'm in my 30s I'm like why why do you have to pay rent I think I'm back on the rent train <laughs> circle back around it's full, full circle yeah yeah this is the capitalism thing. I mean especially in a, does, that, yeah,
3: yeah. in a pandemic yeah in a pandemic that we're in now
0: yeah exactly it's, it's like no I'm not gonna pay rent
3: no fuck you <laughs> rent is a scam you when you Yeah.
0: when rent yeah rent's a scam rent's a scam <laughs> yeah is, I just um what <laughs> My directors would be like, "I just feel like you just need to commit to it." And I'm like, I don't understand why they're mad at me. I just don't <laughs> understand why they're mad at me. You, everyone pays rent; it's once a month. Everyone knows I, it's the I'm first. Offering them a
1: free board, yeah. like in return for stopping a protest, yeah. It's also like don't stop a protest. I, right. Also like, yeah. the Maureen's show wasn't that good.
0: Yeah. Facts. <laughs> and it, those yeah. of you that
1: don't know the musical Rent. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry,
4: we're not going to explain it to you. Yeah. Google it. <laughs> it's an important you, piece of theater history. You it could probably not. guess yes. what it's about. <laughs> That's really um, what it's about. It is a it is a period piece. Yes, artists <laughs> who don't want to conform
2: or pay their rent. Um, oh, going in a completely different direction. There's a.
0: Bright golden haze on the meadow. There's hey. a bright golden haze on the meadow. Oh, I see that? <laughs> what is that? The
4: It's got to be Oklahoma. I don't know this uh, song, but no one else talks about meadows like that, right?
1: It's totally only in Oklahoma. That's how you can deduce. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Lane, Asia, and myself all went to college at Oklahoma City University, which is where we met. By the way. Yes.
4: Yes. For
0: those of you all listening.
3: Mm, okay, wait. Um, it's Turkey Lurkey time. Yes, <laughs> <Down turkey> <laughs> <fan> <laughs> he
4: just getting home. Help. I know it from camp.
3: Yeah, I know yes! it from camp too. Actually, <laughs> oh, that movie, awful but amazing, truly movie.
1: formative. But it's from... Robin de doing the Maria monologue, absolutely iconic. Mwah.
3: Iconic. It's <laughs> Turkey Lurkey time is from uh... Promises, Promises. Yeah, promise, oh, Promises.
1: Oh, I don't know that one. Asia and I did a show together where I wore a giant turkey costume, and it was truly my dream. I never did it, and I regret it to this day, but to do the full turkey lucky choreography in this giant turkey costume. It's never too late, Tina. I don't have the costume anymore.
2: We can find
1: it.
4: Was that for (laughs) Aristophanes-a-thon?
1: Yes. We
2: did a four-hour play in which every person dressed up like a bird for one scene about birds. This Mm -hmm. might actually be a good segue. I was going to say.
4: (laughs) uh, Aristophanes
2: is on Aristophanes, which actually before we get too far in, Lane, would you explain classicist?
4: Yes, yes. So it's very different from classist, which is an unpleasant thing. (laughs) I'm going to make that very clear. Uh, uh, So classics, or the study of classics, is the the modern definition now is the study of Greek and Latin language and culture. Um, But, you know, there's a lot of conversation right now uh, about how Eurocentric that is when we think about the definition of what classics are. And so there's been a little bit of a push to kind of move beyond that and expand the definition. But currently, when we're talking about academia and classics and classicists, what they study, we're talking about Greek and Latin. So uh, the ancient Greeks and then the Romans, mostly. So right now, um, I'm so I'm still a student, so I'm in the process of of learning them. I have I definitely am more into and uh, interested in Greek culture uh, because my my big thing is Greek tragedy. That's kind of my focus and my interest, um, and where my will is leading me.
2: Um, how did we uh, how did we come? Where did the topic of shame come up for us? I'm not remembering.
4: Uh, We were talking, Asia and I were talking on a text thread the other day about shame and the idea of shame in uh, classical Greek culture, how it relates to uh, the citizen public, the citizen body, um, and responsibility alongside shame. Um, I think that's how it came up originally Uh, because we were talking about that video of the senators that resurfaced oh my
3: gosh Mm, oh yeah
2: if you (laughs) listeners have not seen there is a video that is resurfaced of a new segment from 2013 where chuck schumer dick durbin i can't remember the other guy's name lived in uh A unit together and it was very it was an interesting choice for them to show the way they live in that way for a lot of reasons it was a dump which is not a problem living in a dump is not a problem it's the representation that they were it's a lot so google it find it watch it be appalled you're welcome i guess or please don't have nightmares (laughs) but yes so we were texting about that and then stumbled into in this text thread a conversation about shame um, and how these guys had no shame for something that other people probably would have felt a lot of shame about. Um but and or then Or been shamed for. Or yes. been shamed
4: for it. Yeah. Yes. And that yes. was another thing that came up in the conversation. Like what is shaming someone? Hmm. When is that productive and when is it not?
3: I, I think that's a that's a pretty big question on a lot of our minds nowadays as we talk about um you know, people that are falling Uh, prey to conspiracy theories and um covid in general and and making decisions um that some of us may think are irresponsible and how shame kind of comes into play with social media um, and all of that
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) can i take a step back and ask like lane from your perception what is shame like how would you define and i would love to hear like If you base it even in the research you found, or like maybe where the root of the word came from in itself, but like, could you just like, I would be curious, like, how you define shame based off what you find?
4: Absolutely. The so, this is one of the most interesting things about shame when we're talking about uh, the etymology of the word in Greek culture is that it has a variety of meanings. The word for shame is eidos, um, and it does not shame isn't even really it's it's first meaning um it can mean uh responsibility it can mean reverence it can mean awe it can mean things that cause responsibility Mm -hmm. things that trigger reverence things that Mm -hmm. trigger awe and that's kind of where you get this idea of shame um it can mean dignity it can mean um um scandal Uh, And then it can be personified as a deity, and in which case it is like reverence or sometimes even mercy. So it's got all of these different meanings. And that's one of the things that you see across Greek tragedy, which is, again, what I know best in this realm, are conversations that uh, the Greeks are having with each other and with the citizen body, the citizen public about shame, who... Who's responsible for Mm. uh, Mm. holding shame, who's responsible for uh, showing shame or exhibiting shame, because those can be two different things, um, and how that affects us as a body politic, right? How that affects citizens. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing over and over again in, and when we talk about classical Greek culture, a lot of the time, especially tragedy, we're talking about Athens specifically, because that's where we have all the literature from. Um, but the important things in the Athenian citizen body was uh, uh, contributing to your civic duties, being an active part of the citizenry. And so shame, you know, obviously became a big part of that. Um, as far as like a personal definition, I don't know. I think it's it's hard because I think shame has two really distinct sides. You know, there's shame can be really a, a positive force and it can be a really, really negative force. And navigating that um, is... Something that humans have been trying to do for thousands of years.
0: <laughs> the reason why I ask that question is because, like, for example, I love Renee Brown. I don't know if anyone follows sure. her or, like, but I think she's so genius, but she has a breakdown of shame and guilt, which is, I love what you said about, like, difference who's responsible and who's showing. Because her definition of guilt is, like, guilt is adaptable and helpful. Like, it's holding something we've done or felt to do against our values and feeling psychological discomfort. And shame is an intense painful feeling, our experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love and belonging and listening to you say like who's responsible and who's showing it's almost like shame is is this emotional bumper sticker that we can put on people that could be navigated psychologically and like hearing like how it was based back in the day it's really interesting how it's like transferred over now where it's like I can shame someone so they feel something about themselves as opposed to like shame being measurable like I didn't show up today. So therefore like, I feel guilty for not showing up, but I'm still a good person or I'm shaming myself. There's something wrong with me because I didn't show up. And like hearing like the root of like, it come, I think is really interesting. So that's why I brought it up. Cause I think shame is, I don't know, yeah. but that, yeah, you just sparked yeah. my interest. With that. It's a complicated
4: word. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that complication is again, it has an interesting duality to it and it has forever. Um, and that duality is really marked by uh, weaponized shame, I think. Yeah. And uh, versus uh, shame that is uh, naturally and organically created um, by your own uh, uh, ethical code that you live mm. by, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah, well, it does. It feels like the the kind of just based on what you were saying about like classical Greek tragedy, and I, I would argue like based on my limited knowledge of that, but also other kind of classical drama, um, I'm particularly knowledgeable about Shakespeare. So that's sure. kind of what I'm working off of. But like, the idea of shame has evolved a lot since then, because it feels like to me, shame as a construct that's put on people is tied a lot to Um, the idea of honor and the concept of and and the construct of honor that kind of like is embedded in society and in human interaction at that time. And in that kind of cultural context that I don't feel like exists in the same way because of the way that the world has evolved and the way that humanity and technology and and interconnectedness have evolved.
4: It's interesting. uh, So honor is a word in in Greek as well. It's teaming. Uh, and it, it has a, uh, very, um, almost physical representation or kind of idea. Like honor is something that is, uh, it's often described as a, a zero sum game in when we're talking about, uh, ancient Greece and that, um, and this is going back even further than like f- fifth century Athens when we get all the tragedies, right? Uh, Timae, and then it's, uh, kind of. Uh, another uh uh word for honor that can also mean like glory is kleos um but these two concepts uh, are go all the way back to the iliad right all the way back to the odyssey um and the zero-sum game idea is that if you have some it means there's less for me to have Mm. so that there is only a finite amount of this Mm. and so i must take as much as i can and if someone takes that away it means that they are taking from me and now i have less and so that's actually one of the like root issues at the beginning of the iliad as agamemnon uh uh, the king of the uh who's been chosen to lead all the greeks in their in their war against troy has taken a uh, physical representation of Tima and Kleos from Achilles, who's the big hero. Now that physical representation, interestingly enough, is a a concubine, a woman. And um, so then, of course, we get to uh, questions about gender dynamics and how that influences the ideas of honor and shame as well. Because shame is so often used... Just, I think, throughout history as, as uh, a weaponized tool for oppression mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to, when you create a, a culture, and all culture is created, you know, it's, there is no natural culture. <laughs> but when you create a culture, it is then easy to uh, delineate outsiders to that culture and then uh, enforce this feeling of shame that they are not inherently a part of the culture that you have created, right? And so that is
0: a, a really salient tool for oppression. Um and it's it's like shame for change, right? It's like it should be a slogan <laughs> on a fucking bumper yeah. sticker. And specifically I think a lot about Chicago theater, like being an actor and like sure. when I was in theater and there was a huge turning point where people of color we're getting opportunities in theater and I start to hear a lot of my white counterparts say like, well, you're going to get in the room because you're black, like Mm -hmm. you're going to get, they're only looking at black people. Like, honestly, like, I'm not even going to have an an audition, like, because, or they're not even going to give me a call back because they they just want someone of color. And Mm -hmm. what it's doing is, and I have felt it's, it's dehumanizing my worth into, I have no other value but my black skin and my black body And so it's actually shaming my worth Mm -hmm. due to like what you're saying, at least what I felt was culturally like, right. Like it's this sense of like, we culturally have always been in this position and now you're taking something away from me. So therefore I have to shame you in order to make it acceptable. And, but then at the same token, it's, it's like a weird navigating pattern in our culture because those are the same people that like, look at my face and they're like black lives matter and i'm sticking up for you and i want to go to the protest but it is interesting like the level at which we dehumanize other people um yeah and the level at which we shame people based off of what we feel like we're being robbed of like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to the animalistic level yeah
2: it's so that i feel like that uh the idea of there's a finite amount of honor or any feeling emotion concept really is so ingrained in our culture and I think I think you see it all I, I see it more in con, the conservative side of things like especially when it comes to oppression and marginalization and like equality meaning that like something is going to be taken away from right you know cis white heteronormative uh people culture um I think it's on both sides you know I think that but that the, fi- the the idea of of that being finite is something that I'd never heard put that way. And it's so ridiculous.
4: Mm-hmm. It's, and, and that's one of the interesting critical analyses of some of this ancient work, right? Is why, why, are, why is this culture as presented in this uh, poem or play or whatever, why does this culture view uh, this resource to be finite? why is it a zero sum game? You know, why do they think that honor can is 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 something that can be taken away. Um, And that's an interesting conversation. And one when we like fast forward today, and we're talking about things like parts available, you know, in the (laughs) Chicago theater scene, or, uh, you know, uh, equality rights, you know, why does me having rights take away from someone else having rights? Or why is that? Why is that so easy for people to believe?
1: It feels deeply, deeply capitalist. Yes. Like it's so, it'd be like the idea of a resource that is not tangible being finite <laughs> yeah. is so rooted in the idea that of like commodity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're so trained from like an early age and our culture is so like embedded in this capitalist kind of framework that like it's hard to break yourself away from thinking in those terms even about things that aren't like concrete that you can't hold mm-hmm. um but yeah. it's i mean it speaks to how damaging capitalism as a system is not only in terms of like monetary distribution and like wealth but in terms of like the effect it has on our psyche as people yeah. Yeah. Philosophy. and social structure yeah. like instagram
2: like if i post this mm-hmm. or if i don't post like just i took a break from Instagram for a week and it happened to be over the week that um, Biden and Harris the inauguration and I didn't post anything about it and then when I got back on Instagram I was like do I need to go back and post something about the inauguration and like the the change and like what does it say about me if I haven't posted about it does it mean that people are gonna say that I'm not enough of you know uh, uh, whatever like what what it's an so Instagram is- post
4: That's really interesting in that it also gets into this idea. Again, I'm going back to Timae and Klaas in uh, The Iliad and The Odyssey. Because one of the reasons that it is arguably viewed as this finite resource is because uh, at the end of the day, honor is what people say about you after Mm -hmm. you can no longer Mm -hmm. talk about yourself. And if people are not thinking about you and they're not talking about you, then no one's saying anything about you and then you fade away and you're nothing. And it's important to remember, too, that Um, I am what I consider a uh, death-centric artist in that I am very interested in pieces and ideas that um, revolve around death and how that uh, influences our culture and our ideology. Um, And the Greek idea of death was very, very different from anything that we have now in that... uh, there was an underworld but it was a really shadowy strange place it wasn't necessarily where you go and like are living and kicking with your friends and family like as a ghost Uh, you essentially don't remember anything (laughs) there are spirits but they're like they're shadows of uh, uh, you know actual humanity and so like this life was considered like the thing to hold on to um, and where you wanted your name to continue on right Hmm. so it was important to them (laughs) So it's really important to like, be like, you know, remember these, uh, these, my name, remember my deeds and stuff like that. And if someone else is, is the one who people are remembering, they're not going to remember me. Mm. But I do think that even that is incorrect yes, <laughs> we remember right. all the names of all these jerks yeah.
1: I know. <laughs> all these assholes <laughs> yeah. well and that speaks to like uh, also i saw something recently and i'm gonna do a terrible job paraphrasing because i'm not even sure like where i'm pulling it from but like about how we memorialize like confederate statues yeah that's kind of what it was about and how we like we choose who we want to memorialize and in doing that we choose who is remembered Um, And what narrative of history we tell, and I just like that. You know, another reason to like take down these fucking statues, and like the the way that we frame history is a choice. History isn't an objective thing that exists outside of like human interpretation. It's absolutely something that is molded by, like, the way humans choose to tell it.
4: Uh, there's okay sorry this is a little uh, out there but uh there's a play that let's really go. discusses let's go mm-hmm. there's a tragedy that really really discusses shame uh and uh its function and uh uh how it serves and does not serve the individual and then society as a whole um it's called Hippolytus it's by Euripides and it's essentially about a, a woman who falls in love with her stepson right Um, And so there is this back and forth that she is feeling within herself kind of from the beginning of like, do I give into this or not? And she feels so ashamed for having these feelings. But the way that in this particular version, Euripides portrays her, um, there is uh, also a a great need to give into it. But she's fighting it. She's she's saying, no, 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 I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give in. It's Phaedra, right? Phaedra, yes, exactly. And so... uh, The question is, is the shame serving her or not? So she feels ashamed that she has these feelings, and that's causing her to not actually go after this, which in the the culture as given, it would be horrific for her to go after what she wants in this situation because her husband is still alive Um, and is the father of this person that she has uh, feelings for. So, husband
2: being alive is the only thing that creates shame there. (laughs) Only thing that creates shame.
4: Uh, (laughs) Yeah, there's there's the question of incest, (laughs) Um, but so it's 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 really interesting in that we have an example of someone feeling shame that is actually, from their perspective, useful. Uh, in that it's keeping them in check. It's doing something to help uh, also the citizen body because there's another idea called miasma in, in Greek culture. And this is essentially a, a, a polluting or a poisoning of uh, that that... Uh, is caused by an act, and it can be a host of different acts can cause miasma, but normally they're things that are uh, like a repugnant or or like a murder or a rape or um, some little incest is one. Um, uh, And if something like that occurs, then that individual who participates in it is considered polluted. Um, And that pollution can spread in Greek culture, to others in the community and create things like plagues. So like at the beginning of the famous play by Sophocles, Oedipus, the king, Oedipus Tyrannus, um, there's a plague happening because someone in the kingdom of Thebes has caused miasma and no one knows who it is. And then as the play unravels, you find out it was the king himself. But, um... Spoiler! So go- Spoiler. (laughs) But so going back to to Theodra and Hippolytus, you know, she's trying to keep herself too from uh, participating in causing miasma in some way. And so in a very real way, in a very tangible way for the Greeks, shame could protect the community. And I think that's a really interesting thing now. Well, yeah,
3: I'm thinking about corona and how like right. that feels very much like something that is uh, missing now whereas right. like uh, I posted something uh, a couple weeks ago regarding the rise of numbers in Mexico and the amount of Americans that were traveling to Mexico and how that connected and um, there was this issue of like but you're shaming people for making decisions about their own life and I don't know, it, it made me think about what you're talking about here, how right. it's a literal Because it's not plague. just their own life. Yeah, Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're <laughs> literally talking about life. a plague. But it's also like, I didn't, I presented the information, right? There was, by no means I wasn't berating anybody, but simply just presenting the information caused, in my opinion, shame, internal shame within these people, which then they thought, you're shaming me. But it was like, no, no, all I did was present the information. You feel shame on your own, and you should listen to it. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's – so that's where, like, I I don't know.
4: Well, and I think that kind of, like, to what Tina was talking about with capitalism, we also have such a particularly Western idea of individualism and uh, determinism that Mm. – uh, kind of across the board, shame has acquired this uh, uh, negative connotation. Like, it's bad to feel shame. And to shame someone else is is absolutely bad. When, again, the Greeks understood that shame had a lot of really important civic value that I think that we're so uh, unaccustomed to acknowledging. Yeah. If,
1: well, and Lionel brought up the other day, like, brought up that when we were talking about COVID specifically and like, where is the shame placed and how helpful is it? Cause it does feel like right now, like we were talking about small businesses and like the shame associated with being a small business that like is still open or that is maybe not like doing all that it can to like prevent the spread. But then you like, you do also have to consider like, well, the government has made it impossible for those businesses to, follow all the guidelines and to be completely safe because they're not supporting them in any way they're not providing financial relief they're not like the government is also failing so like why is the shame directed at these businesses as opposed to at the governing bodies that are responsible for those businesses having to make those decisions right again you know tied to capitalism and the necessity of like financial relief right instead of
4: community support (laughs) yeah you know yeah yeah Yeah. And I think that it's, it's, that it's a difficult catch 22 sometimes that we find ourselves in, in modern Western society because of capitalism for sure. Um, And because there is for the system to work for the, the system of like, uh, uh, like civic duty and, um, civic understanding of shame to be a valuable thing, uh, It has to be uh, everyone involved agrees to it, you know, Mm. and you're always going to have cognitive dissonance there when we're talking about the rich.
3: Yeah. I think especially talking about like Wall Street stuff too now and like how there's (laughs) literally, they just have like no shame and it's like coming out. (laughs) Mm
4: -hmm.
3: It's coming out throughout this entire pandemic. Like,
4: yeah the shamelessness of that
3: (laughs) yeah and like
1: how
2: how does that how 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 is it that I and probably all of us on this call can feel shame so deeply about so many different things and then there are other people that feel no shame completely disregarding the safety and well-being of other people um
4: well, and I tie this again to how shame is used for oppression because a lot of the things that I know that I feel shame about that I I understand from a like logistical standpoint in my brain I recognize or, or, or reason that I shouldn't feel shame about these things are things that have been imposed upon me by heteronormativity by whiteness. Mm-hmm. You know, these things put make me feel shamed about things like uh, my own queerness that has that that is not helpful, that is not conducive, that is not helping me as society. And that again is, you know, this in the hierarchy. It's this top strata deciding what people should feel ashamed about and then enforcing that in culture, as opposed to all of us as, as a culture recognizing what we should and shouldn't be feeling shame about. We should be ashamed when we are saying it's okay to let people die because they're too old and yeah, well, you know, the virus is the virus. That should be People should feel ashamed. I shouldn't feel ashamed that I'm queer. You know, that's. Yeah. And it's such a weird thing that has has occurred. Yeah. Across time.
3: Yeah. It just feels like our morals are fucked, like collectively. Mm hmm. How do we get back to
1: that? <laughs> I mean, how do we ever, like, I don't know if we ever were at a point where, like, that weaponization of shame didn't exist, though. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if going back to anything is even mm-hmm. an option. But, like, how moving do we away from that, that, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we or, get or I mean,
3: like, how did, how, I guess, what do you think collectively contributed to such an uh, interesting conversation about shame in the Greek culture that maybe we can learn from
4: <laughs> here? Well... I think that one important thing to remember is that this culture um, and these conversations that the Greeks were having was pre-industrialization. And so you were talking about communities that were not totally dependent on uh, production of goods. So not totally dependent on able bodies in the same way to that, uh, post-industrialization. I mean, that your, your worth as a community member really became uh, based on what you could contribute to the economy, to, to making money, as opposed to any sort of inherent value that you have as a human, any sort of wisdom that you can offer from lived experiences, right? Um, and so before that, uh, and this is something my roommate Amanda is a disability studies uh, phd and so we've had a lot of conversations about how valuable it is um or how how uh, uh valued uh disabled people were pre-industrial revolution in their own communities that communities took care of them and I don't want to misquote her she can talk much Better about this than I can, um, but because ancient Greece, ancient Rome, ancient anywhere <laughs> uh, started, you know, thinking about a lot of these things before that, I think one of the things that when we're talking about shame specifically in those cultures, that's helpful to remember is that it is there. There was a um, there. There was still questions of morality. Uh, within the citizen body that are being addressed. But they tend to be questions around uh, uh, personal choices. They tend to be questions around, you know, what your engagement is as a citizen and, and what that should or should not look like. They tend to be, oh, there are a lot of questions about gender um, and how that relates to to shame. And like, again, it all comes down to like, what role do you play in your society? But those roles were never like, how do you, how do you rise above your, your economic situation to a better one? You know, how do you capitalist style, (laughs) uh, uh, attain more and more and more? The questions tended to be more about, I think, you know, from my, what I've studied so far and from what I know so far about how do I contribute to the, to the citizenry, Mm. um, And everyone had to ask those questions. Especially too, we're talking about fifth century Athens. So, you know, democracy is a really big new shiny thing. And how does that they're (laughs) trying to figure out how that works? Um uh and it looks so different from, you know, what we have right now as a democratic republic. Um but yeah, so I think there there's there is a value in thinking about these things from a communal perspective that seems Like a lot of Americans today are less inclined to think about it in that way. We tend to think about it more uh, from a a personal, uh, an individual perspective of like, what does shame mean to me? You know, Mm -hmm. why should I, or should not not be ashamed of something. Um, I don't know. I just talked for a long time. I didn't mean to (laughs) blather. No, No, it
2: was, yes, it was great. I guess a question I have Kind, I haven't fully formulated it, but like what, I guess to the point, we've already asked it, how do we, what do you think we culturally would need to do in order to change the way shame operates our culture? Because there is so much built into our society, specifically in America, but in I think Western culture in general that is so built upon making people feel small in order for there to be growth in, for, you know, in a capitalist society, rich people, or, you know, right. keep other people down so that I can do better. Um, and if we say that shame can be a useful tool, then how do we still have a useful tool and not like be horrible? Weaponize to it. Yeah. Weaponize it. Thank you for the word. That is the right word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um
4: i think aside from eating the rich (laughs) (laughs) aside from eating the rich uh i think that a lot of this comes down to communication you know uh which is something it's so easy to not do ironically now in a techno age uh It's so easy to not communicate because you can essentially curate your own world. You know, you can curate everything that you intake. Um, And that, in that, like, fight for your attention that everyone is having, you know, advertisers, um, um, government, um, uh, evil demagogues, they're all fighting to keep your attention. (laughs) Um, And I think that the more that we choose, and this is just personal philosophy, the more that we choose to give our attention and pour that attention into our communities, and the more those communities continue to have conversation, open conversation, open and inclusive conversation, the more things, from what I can see, tend to change for the better right? Lionel brought up earlier the Chicago theater scene, you know, Mm -hmm. which has now been so impacted both by the pandemic and uh, we see you white American theater that like things are changing drastically. And I think in a lot of positive ways. And so, again, that requires communication amongst that specifically that specific community. Um, And, you know, I, I know people say this all the time, but like when we're talking about elections and stuff, like your local officials are so important. <laughs> you know, those local elections are so important. Uh, no, and turnout can't just be for the presidential election. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. voting—I mean, that talking about ancient Athens, that was such a huge part of like you, that's how you define your citizenry. It's like you have the opportunity to vote. Like you have to, you have to exercise it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Well, and to your to that point, like what you said about about like the changes happening in Chicago theater and then what Lionel said earlier about like having individual people come up and say like shit to you about like how how deserving or undeserving you are based on like things that are outside of your control. Like we're seeing changes on a kind of larger scale in terms of like, you know, restructuring of organizations, hiring people to represent um, marginalized communities like in leadership positions, but we, that's, that's one facet, but like individuals are also weaponizing shame against marginalized folks simply for existing in the industry. So I think like that systemic change is good and, and moving in the right direction, but we like, it is so important. I think akin to the idea of like local elections and local officials, like the micro level is super important on a day-to-day basis for people because, like, you can change the structure all you want, but if people are still operating within this, like, old idea of, like, who is deserving and who, who should be here and, like, the reasons that people are allowed into spaces, then that systemic change can only go so far. Yeah. You know, like, if people are still telling me I'm only getting hired based on the way I look and based on the fact that I represent something that people can make money off of, like that, that doesn't work for me. That's still weaponizing against me. And
2: on top of that, on the individual level, calling someone out or in or up or whatever you want to call it creates shame for the person that you're calling out. So then it's like, I feel like it's a cyclical, like if someone says that to me and I'm like, Hey, actually that's not a kind or correct thing to say about Mm -hmm my identity and why my value what my value is in this industry but in say there's like shame for me to have to call that out and like a question because of my own experience like am I am I is the am I overreacting do I say something or am I overreacting and then if I say something is that creating shame for that person And is that person going to be receptive to learning and growing or is it going to shut them down further and continue the cycle of them you know like othering people like me
4: and I think so much of That is the hard part about it, right? Is like, are Mm -hmm. people going to be receptive when I am using shame as, from what I see as a positive force? Mm -hmm. And so, and that's why, part of why I said earlier, communication is so important because we have to be open to talking about it. We have Mm -hmm. to be able to talk about shame, how it's helpful, how it's not. We have to be open to talking about like, why I think you should feel ashamed for this. And it's not, because again, shame is not identity. And so we, we can hold shame, and yes. we can, uh, we can express shame. And that doesn't mean necessarily that it is an integrally tied to who we are as a person. So I can say, Hey, you know what? I think you should be ashamed maybe for, for thinking that way. And here are a couple of reasons why let's talk about it and, uh, and try and build that kind of open avenue for communication or reception of those ideas. Um, but yeah, because if I'm just like, Hey, fuck you. <laughs> you know, how much change is that actually going to affect? I have this problem a lot, you know, with relatives. I'm sure a lot of people do, uh, you know, trying to move, have the hard conversations move past. That's my labor. It's important for me to do because who else is going to do it with them? Is wow. always the question I come back to, you know, who else is going to kind of implant that shame in them that I think needs to be there. Um, and maybe that's me weaponizing shame for what I consider you consider the the right side of it but
2: yeah well and I guess another question I just had was well a question for myself maybe is is it intended shame if I ask someone to examine that like when I was saying that I wasn't thinking like they should feel shame about it it was more about like we should make a path for people to not talk like this anymore and it didn't have anything to do with shame in my head but then like it probably, cre- like the in- the intent versus impact conversation then goes like a whole other direction with that because it's like, mm. my intent is for good and my impact will still hopefully be for good, but shame is still potentially a piece of that which has a negative impact.
4: I think it. what's interesting about that is that, you know, the etymology of the word shame has really become a verb
2: mm.
4: in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, and it is, I don't, It wasn't always, you know, (laughs) Uh, the verb would be something different that you're doing and that shame is, you know, what people hold. It is the experience maybe that they have, but it is not the verb that you're
0: intentionally
4: Mm. using. And so I do think that because it has become a verb, this is the importance of words, (laughs) because (laughs) it has become a verb, though, now it's so easy to immediately react negatively to it. You're trying to shame me. Mm. As opposed to you're speaking truth that is making me feel shame, and I should consider that, uh, or yeah. you're doing something else that is inciting or eliciting shame in me. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
4: is a significant it's like a you're part of doing
1: this. versus like I'm feeling exactly you know? yeah because mm-hmm.
4: impact versus uh, uh or uh, intent versus impact can be so different.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Right. You know yeah. that is the, when yeah. we're talking about weaponizing anything. What is the verb that I'm doing
3: right? Mm-hmm.
4: You know, is if it's to to speak out against something that I see as an injustice, I don't necessarily think that that is always being a weapon. People are may perceive it that way, and then we have to have the conversation of why.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but yeah, because yeah. I think I mean that conversation is really hard to have because it yeah. is so easy to perceive these things as attacks when mm-hmm. a lot of the time they are. <laughs> please and cries yeah
1: (laughs) please
3: don't do
4: this please stop i don't want to not why did you think
2: this was a good idea yeah (laughs) yeah did you think about whether or not this was a good idea and the answer
4: i think a lot of time is no no No. (laughs) yeah and that's the problem right that's the bigger
3: problem it's like you you know Mm -hmm. yeah
4: it brings me back a little bit to what Lionel had asked earlier about like, what is the definition of shame? Right? Mm, Um, Is the current definition of it? uh, Is it something that uh, is it something that is a, a, a natural part of the human experience? When we feel that we have done something incorrect? Or outside of uh, what is being told to us is correctness, and what what is being foisted upon us as correctness. And if so, then like, who is responsible for creating that narrative? Yeah. And and how do we move within that? And then having to make the choice within yourself of like, what is what actually is correct? You know, one question leads to another in a really interesting way. Hmm. Um. And I think, you know, a part of me thinks that it is a natural part of the human experience.
2: Yeah. Um, but, but, but part of the human experience could also be recognizing and redirecting shame to not be the negative thing that it is today. Yeah. Like if yeah, we yeah. teach our kids, like, you, it's okay that you felt shame. You don't need to. You can just grow from it in this way. And I think that's a big lack in our culture is teaching people right. what to do with that.
4: When they yes. It. Yes. hundred yeah. Yes. percent. Yeah. How to manage that.
0: Well, I, I feel a lot of times that like shame personally, shame has been used to arrive at normalcy versus like transparency. Like a lot of times it's like, I'm shaming you because you're not normal or I'm shaming you because something about you is not normal as opposed to shaming, shaming someone because you couldn't see the transparency, which I guess goes to communication. Um, but like I know a lot of times, even as like a young child, I was gay and black, and and there was this sense that I was going against what was considered normal. so therefore I had something to be ashamed of. and therefore I, I, I lived amongst a lot of guilt, and then guilt just kept complementing the shame. And so a lot of times I find going back to like honor, like you said earlier, like feeling like I don't live up to an honor. There is something that is intrinsically, I should feel guilty about something intrinsically because I am not normal. Which again, it makes me think that like shame is a psychological thing that is ingrained in those. And therefore, if you, are, if you can just be normal, then you don't have anything to feel ashamed of. So it's like getting people to, again, normality versus like the transparency of people. Um, I find a lot with shame. Or I, I deal with a lot and fight with a lot personally. Yeah. That examination yeah. of what is normal can be really hard to get
4: people, I think, to think about sometimes because so often we want normal. We crave this this weird idea that is normal. And as I th- I think we said at the beginning is think people have never been normal. Everyone's weird. Have been Everyone's forever.
2: Everyone's weird. Yeah. There Everyone's weird. No, normal is a is a concept.
4: Mm-hmm. Normal is a construct.
2: Construct. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Not an actual thing.
0: Yeah. That and we so, need to yeah.
2: operate operate under.
0: Well, because it's based off of two. It's such a. Which is where I think the dehumanization part comes in at. It's just based off of privilege again. Mm-hmm. Um, like I love not love, but. This analogy of like. If you dehumanize a group of people. Then you dehumanize their offspring. So then of course people don't feel bad for children in cages. Because like by proxy. We've already dehumanized the people that they're birthed from. So it's like when you hear. The descriptions of that community being called. Like animals by an old president. Or like Roseanne. Remember when she made the comment. um, About the White House advisor. And she called her an ape. Uh, mm-hmm. The child of an ape, Valerie? so it's like, yeah, Valerie. Oh. So it's like shaming her existence creates normalis- normality in that group of people. So then, of course, it's normal to think of all of them as right. less than, and now that is the norm. And now there is intrinsic shame and guilt for existence. So I also think it's like that is like the psychological part of shame that like people are justified by how they feel because they feel like they're normal. Like we're saying, again, normal is not a real thing. But uh-huh. And now
4: we have this, I, I mean, because it happens on both sides of this uh, political debate in American politics right now, and that, like, the whole Hillary Clinton calling everyone the degenerates or whatever, that, you know, we have uh, a, a... And I do think that there is a tendency towards... Um, um, a kind of intellectual uh elitism that can happen on the left um and so so because of that you know then you get an entire group of people who feel like they are being left out and that's so much of what spawned all of this that we're living in right now right is middle class in rural white america feeling like they were starting to get left out of the conversation and so boom we had this huge white lash happen and now we're in the middle of what we're in the middle of and i think that again there that that communication and trying to get across that line now that the fault line is so deep can be very very difficult but again it does come back to normalcy and
3: that's interesting too because um there's a lack of shame in the intrinsic beliefs that um a lot of people on the right have and that's been frustrating because we had a president who was transparent like lionel said And I think transparency leads to normalcy. So that's the frustrating thing. It's like the more that we talk about things, the more that we talk about like things like body hair or things that I personally was like ashamed of and now getting older, like and and the culture is changing. Like the more transparent that is, the more I'm like, oh, my God, that was that's like, quote unquote, normal. But uh, normal in that, like normal as a social construct but it's absolutely normal to have body hair like that's that's what I mean but I I just like I don't know there's this well I don't know I don't know where I was going with that but
2: well the good news is We've been dealing with this since ancient Greece. Ancient Greece. (laughs) So we're, we're, it's we're looking up. (laughs) And we're arguably worse
3: at it now than they were.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, they, they made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) 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 It didn't go swimmingly for the Greeks.
1: That's fair. Um, Oh no.
4: There is, yeah, there is a lot, I think. In the dehumanization of the other, mm. that uh, is one of the dark sides of shame that can definitely happen. Um, and it's just, it's a difficult thing to balance in our lives how we utilize it and how we receive it and feel it and how we talk about it.
3: And because yeah. it was validated by a leader, like a person yeah. in power. And then the media had to report everything that this person said. It's just like, how do you escape that? It just solidifies these grounds of dehumanization that we have to now try and fix somehow.
4: Well, and again, so much of that is that there is, it was a, I saw everything that he was doing as a big, like, you don't have to be ashamed for being, feeling this way because you're not alone. You know, there are a lot of people like you who feel this way too and come hang out with me and I'm going to, I'm going to lead you back to this, this glory age where you're going to be on top. What an easy way to, to manipulate people. What an easy way to get into people's hearts where they feel bad about something, you know, and, and deconstruct it, take it apart and then make them pawns and make them believe whatever you want them to believe
3: yeah
1: hopefully that's it
4: yeah
1: <laughs> that's it <laughs> i mean oh i guess my. that like that can kind of be our action our, item uh, neb- nebulous action item yeah it's like take note of when you are feeling shame and whether or not that's helpful or productive or something that like and it's so hard to unpack right you know like something that you should be feeling shame for you know it's hard to know and and experience that within yourself but like there are certain types of shame that are helpful that are productive that help you grow into a better person who maybe has like a broader view of the world and then there are you know elements of shame that are not helpful not productive that are like weaponized against you by people who want to remain in power yeah and
2: and if you're having conversations with other people about hard topics it's hard to try to tell sometimes but being being as aware as you can of the other's experience and whether or not shame is coming up if you can tell for them as well as you know to be supportive of growth on both sides and also to to be aware of your own impact
1: wait also lane uh correct me if i'm wrong but you were talking about hippolytus earlier and do you not have a play centered around i did this very subject so
4: i uh one of the reasons that i actually really got started back at school studying all of this is that i started writing my own queered greek trilogy greek triptych um calling it a queer dionysia um but uh it's essentially this idea that i wanted to deconstruct some of these stories uh which have been around forever and really you know a lot of western uh uh thought is founded on um and uh introduce uh more modern and uh uh inclusive ideas of queerness into them and so the first story that i picked to to work on was hippolytus and so i changed it up and did my own thing with it um because it is so much about shame and identity and i mean if there is one thing that queer people know about it's shame and identity <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Do uh, well, thank you, Elaine.
2: Yeah, yes.
4: Thank you.
1: Is there anything you want to like you? plug or anywhere you want people to like follow you or uh, yeah. Plug time. Yeah. What do you want people to know?
4: Um. Oh, gosh. What can I plug? Edit all of this, please. Uh, I got. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> you must listen to this. All of you. Um. Yeah, I have. If you, you want to follow me, I'm on all the the things. Don't follow me on Twitter because I never use it. I have one and I do freaking use it. I'm much more active on Facebook and Instagram. Like an old man. But I do have uh, a couple of play readings coming up. Facebook.com
2: okay. forward slash.
4: Facebook.com. <laughs> the Facebook.
3: In my day, we called Not it on the, the Facebook. Facebook.
4: I burned CDs and passed them out on the Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, but I do have a couple of play readings coming up with uh, Broken Nose Theater here in Chicago. I'm with in there. I'm one of the writers in their Bechtel Fest right now, and then I have a, a play reading coming up of a of a longer play about uh, witches called witches! The Book of Shadows. So queer witches, come check it out.
3: Cool. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh,
1: <laughs> fun.
0: <laughs> hey everyone, thank you for tuning in, and we're we the people where we like to give her fresh, funky, and always unfiltered. Till next time. Marky Crush. Mark? You dated Marky Mark? Um, Marky Mark.
2: Yeah, and the funky Damn. bunch as a child. It was very wow. inappropriate. Yeah. It was very G- inappropriate.
3: <laughs>
0: I can't wow. imagine what
2: happened when he dropped his
3: pants over. Oh his my God. Remember he used to do that?
0: Yeah, that was oh, no. just hot.
3: You don't remember that? Marky Mark always used to drop his pants.
0: <laughs> Bring Nobody that back.
1: remembers this. No, Bring no. that back. Oh god, okay. I think I'm too young to remember that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, he was, he was a pants. <laughs> yeah.
3: All of your faces were like, <laughs> I was like, I swear to God, that's what I used to do.
2: <laughs> Are you sure that wasn't just your dreams, Diana? <laughs> <laughs> in my, in my dreams.